Hello and welcome to this episode of the Print On Demand Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Von Arx, here with my co-host, Carrie Egler. And in today's episode, we are speaking with Travis Ross from the Print On Demand cast. Travis has been selling physical products online since 2015 and began experimenting with Print On Demand in 2017, which he has been doing ever since. Travis's podcast, which he co-hosts with Josiah Sefuentes, is based around making a living with print-on-demand. Join us as we discuss all things print-on-demand, marketing, making sales, the future of print-on-demand, and so much more. But first, real quick, before we begin, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. It helps us reach new listeners and it helps you never miss an episode. Thank you so much. We are so glad you're here. And just before we hop in, here's a quick word from this episode's sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Gelato, the world's largest print-on-demand network. Gelato enables individuals ranging from e-commerce entrepreneurs to artists and creatives to establish their own global business. The magic of Gelato is that they focus on local production. The item being delivered is produced in the country that the order is placed almost 90% of the time, leading to many benefits such as lower costs, faster delivery times, and most importantly, reducing carbon emissions. The focus on tech to knit together over 130 percent production facilities across 32 countries is truly unique. Thanks to this, they currently have the highest customer satisfaction score in the print-on-demand industry on Trustpilot. To check them out for yourself, go to sixfigurefounder.com slash gelato and use the discount code PODPLAYBOOK, all capital letters, to get 60% off your first order when placed within 72 hours. That's the number sixfigurefounder.com slash G-E-L-A-T-O. You can also find the link and discount code in the podcast show notes or in the video description on YouTube. up everybody welcome to this episode of the print on demand playbook podcast i am super fired up because we have a special guest today who i have actually been listening to their podcast for a very long time so it's such an honor to have this guest on uh and to just talk all things print on demand so i am with carrie of course and travis ross who's What's up? Travis Ross, who's been selling physical products online since 2015 and began experimenting with print on demand in 2017, which he has been doing ever since. So I'm actually going to let him explain everything and kind of tell you guys his story. But what is up, Travis? It is such an honor having you, man. Yeah, it's it's great being on your guys' podcast. I've, I've been, uh, I saw you guys when you guys first started and started listening. And so uh, you guys are pr- providing awesome value on your show. So, uh, I'm equally as honored to be, uh, to be here with you guys today. So, so yeah, I, uh, um, back in 2014, 2015, I started selling on Amazon and, um, like everybody, uh, you know, it was kind of the wild west. I was doing retail arbitrage, doing some, trying to do some wholesale, I even private labeled some stuff and started a brand, um, in the cooking niche. And, um, you know, those products are, you know, long gone by now. But, uh, during that time we started a, a, um, a conference here in Denver called the Rocky mountain reseller conference. And we did it, uh, 2016, 17 and 18. And we just brought a bunch of Amazon sellers, um, from all over the country and, um, had a really great time. And, and in, I think it was the second year 
someone was telling me about um, sublimating coffee mugs in their basement. It was just like an after hours thing at the bar or whatever, you know, and uh, I was like intrigued because I had um, I had a merch account really early, an Amazon merch account, and I had um, tons and tons of designs and we were just uploading, uploading, uploading back when it was really easy to make sales on, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Amazon merch on demand. And I was like, well, I have all these designs. I know how to create a listing on Amazon. I have a seller central account. What if I just started making design, you know, making mock-ups for mugs with these designs that I had. And so I started with that and sure enough, they started selling. I was just literally using a little Chinese mug press in my basement and a converted inkjet printer with the sublimation <laughs> dies and uh, merchant fulfilling right out of my basement. And, and we just kept adding and adding and adding. And um, uh, eventually, in fact, in 2018, we even had a merch track at the conference because it was so, it was kind of coming on the scene really hot and heavy. And so um, translate that, you know, to now today, um, uh, you know, I, uh, you, if you've listened to our podcast, you know I, I've been running a fulfillment center for the last three years, um, and we had a bunch of different printing methods, and we were fulfilling for a whole bunch of different people. Of, of course, our stuff, you know, was in there too. Um, and just recently, I had to basically make a huge transition from the shop back to my house just because of overhead. It was just really expensive, and I learned a lot of lessons. Um, you know, I mean, that's what happens when you. Uh, quote unquote, fail at something. You know, if you, if you keep going, you get to learn the lessons. If you stop, you don't. And so that's what I'm trying to do. I'm, I'm still kind of in the midst of like the transition. I'm actually uh, recording this from my basement right now, as opposed to, you know, at my shop where we've recorded most of our podcasts in the past. And um, I was just pressing shirts uh, for a local order, not 20 minutes ago before we uh, pressed record. So, um, so yeah, so we've been doing print on demand for you know, since 2017. And, um, I don't see me stopping anytime soon. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. I I just want to loop back to the very beginning because I just want to say the feeling is mutual. Um, you said you're, you get a lot of value out of our podcast and I just want to say the feeling is mutual. Um, we get a lot of value out of yours as well. Keep up the great work. Um, and I know that you guys are like the OGs because we launched our podcast in January of this year. You've been around, didn't you guys just celebrate your three-year anniversary? Yeah, yeah. We've got like 160 episodes out. Uh, we insane. release every Wednesday. Um, and if if it's not live, it's, you know, we'll show, throw out a rebroadcast. But most of the time, it's, you know, it's new content. Um, it was kind of like the, we could have started a lot earlier. In fact, we talked about it. It's Josiah Sifuentes is my co-host. And right. um, we talked about it a lot earlier and we just kept talking about it and talking about it because there really wasn't much out there in the way of podcasts unless people were talking specifically like about merch by Amazon or something like that. Mm. And we were like wanting to do something. We weren't, we weren't just doing merch by Amazon. We were doing a lot of other stuff with merchant fulfillment and even fulfilling for other people. And so we said, let's start this show. Um, and, and, and our goal has been to like make it the show that we wish we would have had when we started, you know? And, um, I think we've, you know, accomplished that and, and we're having a blast. It's, it's really just a passion project. Um, you know, and uh, I, I think it's been, I mean, it's been a lot of fun and I don't see us 
stopping anytime soon because uh, Josiah and I are just, you know, a couple of guys who love to talk and go- joke around. And, and you know, we, we know a lot about this industry because, mm-hmm. you know, we've been in it for a long time. And so um, it's a lot of fun. And uh, thank you for saying, you know, those kind words about the show. Yeah, man, it, it shows. It shows that you guys know your stuff. You guys know what you're talking about. You offer a ton of value. I like that you guys talk on a lot of different topics because you guys have experience on a lot of different topics. Mm-hmm. And you guys are super consistent too. Like, have you guys ever missed a week in three years? It doesn't seem like it. I don't know because I follow your podcast. And so I see every time a new episode's released. I'm like, these guys are so consistent. Like, that's our goal too, is like never miss a week. Every Friday we tell our listeners the podcast is coming out. And just for anyone listening, it's the print on demand cast. That's the name of the podcast. So definitely check it out. But yeah, you guys are really consistent. You've been really good about keeping it going, uh, every week. I I would think you would run out of things to talk about after three years, but dude, we haven't either. So I guess like, <laughs> dude, I'm, I'm telling you like the first, after the first, like, I don't know, four or five, six months, we, we started having that fear. Like, I feel like we've told, we, we've exhausted our knowledge. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but you know, I mean, obviously there's that. been stuff that we've, that. we've, you feel that. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, I, I think that's that how it goes, bit. you know? Yeah. But I mean, I, I think, between, uh, I mean, there's, there's kind of reoccurring themes and we'll probably talk Mm -hmm. about some of them during this interview, but there's like reoccurring themes that like keep coming up and different things. And then obviously the, the landscape of print on demand has changed a ton in the last Mm. three years. And so, you know, helping, uh, people understand, you know, with new shipping rates and different things like that and, and different vendors that are doing different things and, and providing different services to their customers. And, uh, between all that, I, I do think there's, there's plenty of, you know, new and fresh content, um, that we can talk about, even if we do have to, uh, you know, every once in a while talk about, you know, how to sublimate a coffee mug once again, you know? <laughs> right, right. Sure. And, uh, you know, a lot of people start listening. They, they didn't start listening at the beginning. And a lot of times they don't go back. Like I, when I'm listening yeah. to podcasts, I don't usually go back to episode one of the podcaster and sure. listen all the way up. Right. Some so people do. You some guys people, are, we get, we so get those I'm, reviews. I'm sure some people we, get, we get reviews where they're like, I just binged the whole catalog. We're like, wow. That's true. <laughs> and I love those people. I love yes. those people. We really, really appreciate it. I'm sure you guys appreciate it as well. Totally. Um, but I think a lot of people, well, if they're anything like me, I, I don't usually. Um, so, you know, having recurring themes, I think it's helpful. And sometimes mm-hmm. you can freshen up the content a little bit too. But sure. yeah. um, it, it was really interesting hearing your story and your journey because you're one of the OGs. Like you've been around, you've been in this space for a long time. Um, Carrie and I got in around 2016, 2017. I think those were the years that we kind of got in. Um, 2016 was when I first ever heard about print on demand. And that's when I started my first Mm -hmm. business, which was an epic failure, but that's a story for another day. Um, I was (laughs) able to pivot and start another one and then, and then scale that. But, um, I want to, I want to, so you've, you've told us your story and how you kind of got into this and what you're up to, what you're doing now. I would love to know from the co-host of your own podcast, of the Print on Demand cast, I would love to know what you love about Print on Demand. Um, I mean, we've had a show for three years uh, talking about it, so I must love something about it. Uh, there's so <laughs> many things. I, I mean, it's just great. It's, I mean, obviously, you know, the one thing that was just amazing right off the top when I was doing my own products, you know, you don't, uh, it's totally different than like a private label. You know, you wear private label, you've got to buy $10,000, $20,000 worth of inventory and put it somewhere 
until you sell through. Now you can, you know, a lot of people can ship it right into, you know, Amazon FBA and and have them deal with that, but you still have to put up that upfront money. And with print on demand, the product doesn't exist until it sells. It's just so, it's such a perfect model. Now you do have to, you know, if, if in our case, when we're doing production, we have to keep some blanks on hand, but that's such a lower cost of goods than, um, you know, what I'm a going to eventually sell it for, or B what I would have had to pay had I had it printed in China or wherever else. So, mm-hmm. um, it just makes sense. It's, it's, uh, so the financial aspect is, is incredible. And then just the, I mean, I still will get orders. Um, I mean, we have hundreds of thousands of listings across different channels and I'll, we'll still get orders and I'll go, huh, that is a hilarious phrase or that is a great design. I love that. And I just haven't seen it before because we have all these, you know, uh, people doing different things and doing different designs and uploading them. And I, I probably don't see most of them. And so it's, there's always a fresh kind of thing that's, that's happening. Um, you know, as, as you sell through different products and things like that. Um, and then just being in an industry that is growing so quickly and, and expanding and so many more people are jumping on board and, 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 um, I, I just, I love being in communities where, uh, people are trying new things and excited about the future and the possibilities and all that stuff. I'm, I'm definitely kind of a future thinker and I'm always like, you know, forecasting and all of that stuff. And so, um, I think, uh, pr- the print on demand industry in and of, in and of itself is very, um, very exciting to be a part of. So yeah, that's what, I guess that's what I love. There's probably more. I'm sure there is. It's a, <laughs> it, it's so true. Like, uh, it's so true. Some of the things you said, like it, 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 it's expanding so rapidly. Like there's always something new. There's always something like fun to, to learn about, or, you know, something that's happening. I'd love to ask you on that same note, where do you see print on demand going? Like, do you see anything on the horizon that's mm-hmm. happening? Any big transitions or those kind of things? Cause one of the reasons I bring that up is because it, it this isn't my own personal opinion. I kind of think print on demand still in the kind of early days. Like we've all, we've been in it for mm-hmm. six, seven plus years. It's funny cause mm-hmm. we all kind of got in at around the same time. It sounds like 2016, 2017 is when I got into it as well. Mm-hmm. But I actually think we're still kind of early because we're seeing so much innovation, even with like the print technology yeah. change, starting to change a lot and different things like that. I'd love to know what you yeah. think, kind of where we're going. Yeah, I think um, I kind of have an advantage on this question because this is one of the, we call them magic questions that we ask uh, interviews, interviewees nice. when we bring them on the show. Um, and so uh, we've heard a ton of answers to this particular question, and there's been great ones. Um, one of the things that I think could be kind of coming down the pike um, is the ability to, with with the 3D printing, print on demand, Mm. 3d printing. So you're getting more, um, you know, there's just so many more things that you can do with a 3d printer because you literally can print a physical object, you know? And so what is that? Like, how far does that go to expand the potential for different products that you don't even have to put a design on it? You know, you just have to have the, you know, the, the CAD drawing or whatever. I don't even know. I don't know enough about 3D printing. But I think that's one way that um, we're going to see, I think, as, as machines get, um, you know, more commoditized and, you know, they're cheaper and people can afford them. You know, maybe maybe these hobbyists start doing more, quote, unquote, print on demand with with 3D printing. Um, and then beyond that, I, I just, I think that to your point, Carrie, um, 
the industry keeps innovating and we continue to see more and more products, not just necessarily 3D printing, but just things that you can put your design on. You know, DTF, mm-hmm. direct to film printing, is is kind of been the newest, latest, and greatest thing that everybody's saying, oh, it's the DTG killer, direct to garment killer. And I don't necessarily believe that, but I do think it has a, a unique spot where um, – you, you used to not be able to do DTF and, um, mm-hmm. you know, DTF allows you to not have to pre-treat the garment. You can also use it on polyesters. Um, and so there's a lot of benefits to DTF. Um, I don't think the hand feels as nice, but, um, on the actual garment, but still that just shows that there's so much innovation to your point happening in the industry. And, um, I, I do agree. It's, we are in the infancy. We're still early, uh, in the print on demand game. Cause I think this ain't going away anytime soon. I could see it coming mm-hmm. into retail stores. You mm-hmm. go in and you, you know, you just, I want to have that design and I want my name on it or whatever. And, and I think that's very, very early. And I think you're going to see that, um, just continue to expand and people are going to, I mean, I don't know that print on demand is a household word yet, but I think it's going to be. Well, it's like, yeah. yeah, I mean, and then on another, you know, you walk, you talked about walking into a store on another, uh, expansion point is, and I won't say their name. I don't think I'm allowed to yet, but there's a very large company that's kind of talking to me about maybe doing some consulting for them. And they're, um, they have nothing to do with apparel. They're, they're like just this big company. And, but they want to start a merch store because they have a brand that's like super recognizable. You know, people know it. And I think, yeah. I think there's there's already been a lot of brands that have kind of done this. I think like Nickelodeon is one and they're like I've seen a few other, you know, brands like that where it's like the vintage or nostalgia. They like they want to put their logo on things and have a storefront where people can purchase. But like that's something where you could see, I mean, any large brand that has any, you know, yeah. recognizable traits, like they're gonna want to have a, a print on demand store. They're not gonna wanna buy a bunch of inventory and have teams and all those kind of different things where you can just set up an automated yeah. store. You know, like super cool, and, and then on on yeah. just on top of that, I know you pro- probably want to jump in. I'd love to hear your thoughts, but <laughs> like the software the innovation we've seen in software with oh, personal yeah. the print on demand software, the personalization and the options, and then you mentioned the product expansion. Like, there's hundreds, mm-hmm. probably thousands of print on demand products. I mean, like it just goes on and right. on the cool stuff that we've seen over the few, yeah. past few years. My wife and I were uh, at Disneyland. Um, or Disney World, rather, um, a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. And um, they're doing print-on-demand at Disney right now. And, and you walk in and you say, I want that. And they have UV machines there that'll print like all this stuff. And I, I mean, there's so many different things that are happening um, right now, you know, in Disney and other places, to your point. Um, it's just, we're, it really is the tip of the iceberg, I think. For That's sure. so interesting. <clears throat> That's so interesting. And, and you know, something I was going to say that I've heard, um, I've heard print providers talking about, print on demand companies talking about is a future where a lot of the largest apparel brands in the world are making a big shift over to print on demand right. as, you know, quality keeps improving, shipping times keep improving, production times keep improving, catalog mm-hmm. expansion keeps on improving. Like, more options are coming available all the time. And there's a huge push for sustainability right now. Yeah, uh, You know, you hear about like the, the apparel industry gets a terrible rep for sustainability mm-hmm. and it's becoming more, it seems to becoming more, be, be becoming more and more important to the consumers. And so mm-hmm. 
of course, we want to listen to our consumers. They're the ones paying the bills. So I just think that it's just such a logical progression of the industry. Like you look at companies like Zara and H&M and they're just getting hated on for, you know, yeah. sometimes landfill, a lot of their stuff ends up in a landfill. And yep. this is a great way to kind of save face for brands like that, especially if it's a brand that does a lot of graphic designs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, you, you guys are right. You guys are right. It really is a tip of the iceberg. And then we've got the introduction of AI. I want to hear your thoughts on this, Travis, Ooh. because I like we talk about AI a decent amount. We just did an episode mm -hmm. on AI. You guys talk about AI. Like mm -hmm. there, there's just so many reasons why to 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 make everyone believe that this is just the tip of the iceberg. But I want, I want to, to know right. your thoughts. Oh, go I ahead, want to Jay. hear about uh, no, I want to hear about your production robots that are fulfilling your orders in your production. <laughs> They're like <laughs> printing <laughs> the, AI only. robots. <laughs> <laughs> if if only man that would be amazing um but it's probably gonna happen at some point but um yeah we've been i mean so ai is so new and so fresh and it's uh, i mean it's not new but for us like in the print-on-demand industry or just really as consumers public yeah, yeah public. as consumers mm -hmm. we are like uh freaking chat gpt came on the the scene you know earlier this year guys <laughs> and and we're like everyone was blown away. And then, you know, it's with mid journey and stable diffusion. And now there's, there's this one, I, I can't remember the name off the top of my head. You guys probably know it. It, it does text. It's a ideogram it's a graphic oh. gen, ideogram. Yeah. Ideogram. Yeah. It's that's like, what are you kidding me? You know? And, yeah. and so, um, I, yeah, if there was ever a reason to say we're at, we're at the tip of the iceberg, uh, with print on demand, I mean, I feel like AI is, not just in print on demand, but I mean, just in business in general is just changing the landscape of, you know, what people can do and what, I mean, we use it, we use some chat GPT, um, in some of our processes to kind of do descriptions and things like that. And, um, it's also great, great, great for ideas, just generating ideas. Um, there's so many different cool things you can do with AI. And I mean, all you got to do is, go on YouTube for, for an hour and you'll get a hundred <laughs> different ideas of how you can use it. <laughs> yep. It's true. It's yeah, funny. You mentioned the, uh, ideogram. I've seen some of the, oh, the print on demand providers. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Adrian. Okay. Uh, I've seen some of the print on demand providers kind of in there as well, in their software as well. Like you, you know, I'm looking at one right yeah. now on Printify where you can just press AI image generator. You can actually create the art right there as you're creating the product, which is wild. Yeah. 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 Again, it, we're at yeah. the beginning. Yeah. It seems like every tool now has an AI component of some sort. You know, you got like mm -hmm. Canva, you got Shopify, you got Creative Fabrica, you got everything. And I was just yeah. saying before, it's funny that you mentioned Ideogram because we have a private community for advanced coaching program called Six Figure Founder. And this last week, it's been lit up with comments about Ideogram. Oh, We've had, it was like, everybody's talking about it in our community right now and getting excited and showing what they've created because Midjourney is awesome. You know, a lot of us love Midjourney, mm -hmm. but it's always been hard to get the text right in it. So usually you use Midjourney for the graphic and then you kind of do the yep. text around it somewhere like Photoshop, right. Adobe Illustrator or, mm -hmm. or Canva. Mm -hmm. But it's pretty cool that Ideogram can do it all in one pop. Um, yeah. So yeah, AI, and it just keeps getting better all the time too. Like we were talking in our last episode, like just imagine what it's going to look like in even a year from now, 12 months from mm -hmm. now, AI is going to be 
so so much more advanced. Yeah, I mean, just think of where where it's coming. The first year of it of its public existence. I mean, it's yeah. just insane. So yeah, um, AI is changing the landscape of print on demand and so many other you know industries as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I want to, I want to kind of take things back here because, um, I want to know kind of, you've been in print on demand for a long time. You've talked to people in print on demand for a long time. You know, a lot of people in this space and a lot of our listeners, they are new to print on demand or they've been in it for a while. And a lot of them are kind of just starting out. And mm-hmm. I want to know your thoughts in 2023, it's September of 2023 that we're recording this. I want to know your thoughts. If someone was just starting their brand today, what do you think Mm -hmm. that they should be focused on? And then a second part to that question, how do you think that they should focus their energy in terms of differentiation, differentiating from other print-on-demand companies? Mm -hmm. Uh, Well... If anybody listens to our show, they know um, I beat the dead horse of organization all the time. And so anytime anybody says, hey, I'm new, I'm getting started, um, I'm always excited to share with them you know, an episode from our show or, or just tell them, hey, man, um, it's super important that you take this time and build for what you want to become start right now building for what you want to become. Don't start where you're at, start where you want to be. And, and so a couple of practical things that I I do talk a lot about on the show, um, your SKU structure, you know, figure that out and, um, your design structure and, and how you're going to, where are you going to put those designs, how you're going to name those designs. We use, we call it a DID, a design ID. And so every design has a number. And so no matter what product it is on, that design ID is always inserted into our SKU. So we always know what, which design is supposed to be on that product. And then, you know, I mean, I, I think those things are, are super important. Even if you only, you know, you only have 10 designs or whatever, um, those 10 designs can go on 20 different products, you know, so that's 200 different SKUs that you're going to need to have. And so, um, you know, I mean, I learned this the hard way when I first started doing my mugs, I just allowed Amazon to give me the skew. And, um, and then eventually we went back and we, we tried one thing. It didn't necessarily work. And then eventually we landed on this design idea, uh, idea, and we went through and we remapped all of that stuff. And the other cool thing about that is those SKUs can go, um, cross platform. So if you're selling on Amazon, you're selling on Walmart, you're selling on your own site, I don't care where it was bought. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's the same thing. So why not name it the same SKU and have that kind of organization and that structure around your business? Um, you know, also documenting your uh, your processes. So when you do start making some money and you want to bring somebody on, you can hand things off really easily. Um, standard operating procedures, SOPs, those types of things. Basically, I mean, even screen recordings of, okay, this is how I do this task and, and make it, you know, bite-sized chunks, five, 10 minute videos, maybe put it, insert mm-hmm. it, you know, insert a link into like a, a Word doc, put a little notes and, you know, some notes in there, some text, um, and then you have that ready for, you know, your first virtual assistant that you're going to hire or something like that. And I think that type of thing, while I, I just don't think that people 
realize how important that is down the road. And I think they're so concerned with, well, I got to have a great design. And yes, you have to have a great design. Of, of course you do. But they're so concerned with that and and how much should I charge and where should I start selling and how do I set this up? How do I create my mock-ups? All of those things are very important. But I, I really, really want to stress the organizational structure of all of that is going to serve you so well in the long run. Um, so build you know, build now for what you want to be. Maybe you only have 10 designs, but what happens when you have a hundred designs, 500 designs, a thousand designs, 10,000 designs, um, you need to start now to plan for that preferable future. So good. Yeah. That's interesting. And tons of, and I know that you, yeah. And, and I know that you are, you, you use a lot of marketplaces, don't you? Like, uh, I think you, you have Etsy, you have um, Walmart Marketplace. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Merch on Demand. Do you use Merch on Demand? Yep. Okay, Merch yep. on Demand. Do you use Shopify? Um, I've done Shopify for some different projects. We did a Father's Day thing uh, back a couple of years ago. I'm actually building out another Shopify store to kind of capitalize on um, the political season. Um mm coming up obviously next year we've got mm-hmm. uh you know some stuff that we did last time and it really did well and so we're gonna we're gonna try that again and see see if we can get get that going but yeah we we, we also sell so um so amazon merch on demand is what i would call a royalty-based site so mm-hmm. you're actually licensing your designs to them and you just get a royalty um on the other side of amazon there's the Amazon seller, seller central, and that's where you can sell physical products. And I call that seller of record print on demand because you are actually the seller of record. It might be Amazon's customer, but it's your responsibility to fulfill the order, uh, to issue the refund, to do the customer service, all of that stuff. Whereas not on the royalty based size, like Redbubble and things like that, they take care of all that and you just get a royalty. So, um, we do both. Um, primarily we're, we're, doing uh you know so amazon the 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 merch by amazon side we do have uh, a couple accounts there one for me and one for my wife but i don't hardly touch those ever but you know they still bring in money every month because i got in early and i have a lot of sales history but on the other side of amazon we do the amazon seller central and that's probably our best channel just i think it's strictly because of the eyeballs and again the the sales history because we've been on that channel for so long um, I think the algorithm kind of likes us a little bit. Uh, probably mm-hmm. three years ago, we got on Walmart, um, and I was really surprised at how well Walmart did. Um, you know, it's probably our second best channel. Uh, Etsy's, you know, in th- kind of the third best, and and really the reason for that, I think, is because Etsy takes a different, um, different strategy to to be successful, and. Um, different from like an Amazon or a Walmart. I, I, I actually was, um, interested in, or, or excited to come on the show because really the way we've done print on demand is really different than the way you guys have done it yeah. and are teaching it. You guys are really focusing on brands. You're focusing mm-hmm. on, you know, Shopify and, and having that one niche that you're, you know, really excited about and really passionate about and, and you're in, 
you're all in on that one niche. And really what we've done, uh, we've gone kind of the opposite, kind of mile wide and an inch deep, you know, with every possible niche that we could freaking figure out, you know, and <laughs> right. we, and just every possible ch sales channel that we could go on. Um, and I, I think that, you know, you can win with both uh, again, mm -hmm. you know, we're, this print on demand thing is so there's so many, um, there's so many ways you can kind of, you know, skin this cat. That's a terrible, terrible phrase, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, you're right. You're right. There's so many different strategies out there. And that's one mm -hmm. of the beauties of print on a man. You're not limited to one. Um, yep. Usually what we would recommend is kind of focus on, focus in on one and be successful mm -hmm. and then kind of branch out from there just because, yeah. you know, where your focus, what, what is it? Where, where intention goes, energy flows. It's like where your focus goes, energy flows. So mm -hmm. what, you know, what we've had the most success with is just going all in on one kind of, kind of one of everything, one primary acquisition channel, mm. um, like social media, yeah. like Instagram, for example, one platform like Shopify, one retention channel, like email marketing and just dominate mm. one of each and get really dialed in, get, get some success, create a, you know, we're big on creating brands like valuable brands. We think that the mm -hmm. niche in the brand is one of your biggest differentiators. And so mm -hmm. we really push that because yeah, if you're, if you are selling everything, print on a man can be pretty, pretty crowded. It can be a pretty crowded space. Um, but it's so yes, cool to talk to someone who has a different strategy because we're not saying our strategy is the only way it's just what worked for us. Mm -hmm. And it's what we teach others to do. Um, yeah. I just, I, I, there was a quote that I heard recently and I think I shared it on our last podcast and it says, he who chases two rabbits catches none. And when I heard <laughs> that, I was like, yes, that, that is like, you know, this yeah. is why it's so important to just go all in on one and then as a kind of a scaling method, go all in on others. So what, what mm -hmm. we would say is to get, get your Shopify store up and running, make that your home base, get the sales rolling in, and then expand out. It's kind of a scaling strategy, maybe to other sales channels like Etsy, like, you know, maybe merch on demand, maybe Walmart marketplace, but you mm -hmm. guys would probably take the opposite approach. Like, you know, based on your experience, you've got all these marketplaces and I actually would love to know all the marketplaces that you're on right now. <laughs> um, but it sounds like you've got the opposite approach, you know, you're on all these marketplaces yeah. and now you're kind of getting, getting into Shopify. What, what are your thoughts on that? What's kind of your your strategy. Yeah. I, I mean, I, um, if I had to do it all over again, um, I, I might do exactly what you guys are doing and like, and do the brand strategy the, 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 the reason I kind of did the whole spray and pray <laughs> method, uh, <laughs> was because I had already begun all of these, uh, I had all these merch by Amazon designs that were in all kinds of different niches and they were all selling. And so I'm just mm -hmm. like, all right, let's just get them all on coffee mugs and then eventually other products and, and whatnot. And we continue to, you know, I mean, we have 10, 20,000 designs that are on, you know, hundreds of thousands of listings across multiple channels. So, I mean, it just, it kind of happened for us, but to your point, I also see mm -hmm. the power of that niche down, really, you know, laser focused. Um, I, I, we just did a podcast, um, on influencer marketing and, um, mm. Josiah did a solo one, kind of an influencer marketing one oh one, And then, 
uh, I was driving to California to do, deliver some equipment and we did it. We did a podcast, um, with my, with my AirPods and we, we talked, it was influencer marketing 202. And I was talking to, uh, talking about a conversation I'd had from one of our listeners who heard the first podcast and was just so intrigued. And we talked about, he's in a specific niche and he knows all of these influencers because he's been in the niche forever. He's only been in print on demand a really short time. And, um, he is, my advice to him was like, okay, you got to double down. You got to make the best website, the best, um, Shopify site, that of, of, you know, for your niche. And then you invite all these other influencers on and you use codes to differentiate, you know, who's set, who's driving the traffic. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, there's so many things and he's doing uh, a lot of the production himself. Um, the other cool thing is he has a 3d printer, uh, in this niche that he's already selling things with. And so he can also add those to the website and there's so many things. And I'm like, you, you could have the coolest, the best website. When anybody thinks of this niche, they think of your site and you have all of these different influencers on it and everybody's kind of scratching each other's back by sending traffic to it. And, and I bought one of your things and then I bought one of Carrie's things and, and you both made money and I made money and, you know, all of those things, um, they're, they're possible, with kind of where you guys are going with this 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 niche specific idea and that's what we're doing with this um kind of uh, it's more of a seasonal thing because it is focused on the 2024 election so it's not mm-hmm. going to probably go a lot longer than that it didn't in 2020 um but it 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 really worked it was uh it was very targeted very niche specific and it took you know the elections and then another niche that we combined um, mm. kind of a super niche. And I don't know if you guys have talked about that, but I think that is an excellent, excellent thing. I had a, uh, I, I had a, a, a coffee mug and I've shared this on the show before. Um, I don't know, back in early 20, 2020, 21, 22, I don't remember. Um, and it was a Valentine's day mug that had Donald had a cartoon version of Donald Trump and a wall. And it said, I want you on my side of the wall and had some hearts and it was like <laughs> taking the political. Day. Yeah. It was taking the, isn't that a great, great, great design. Oh, it it took it. the holiday and it took the political and it combined those to create an amazing product that sold like crazy for Valentine's day. And then it, it stole, it sold again during Christmas, you know? So um, when you can do something like that, when you can combine two niche is like an, an event and a niche yep. together. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's gold, you know, that yeah. really is. Well, it's so I powerful. To, and we, that, Oh God, Gary. I wanted to, I wanted to jump in. Uh, and so here, from my perspective, your strategy, you know, as from, from what I understand, I, and, and I've never done this myself. I, I, I've only done the Shopify, the brand, the niche down yeah. store. It's funny that me and Adrian connected on the podcast because we both kind of have the same similar strategy that we teach as coaches. Um, but from what I understand, you know, it's, 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 you're creating a lot of designs. You're putting them on, you know, a lot of different marketplaces, really Mm -hmm. optimizing for most of the time, optimizing for like SEO, Uh, you know, somebody searches something on Amazon Mm -hmm. or, or Etsy, you know, it's kind of SEO optimized. So number one, my thoughts are, I think that's great for somebody to get their first say, like to bring in, you know, it's what I should say is it's easier to bring in your first few sales probably that way. Right. Somebody searches and happens to come up on your shirt. 
rather than like on a Shopify store, you, you create the whole brand and everything. And it's like, if you don't market it, nothing's happening. Nope. You know what I mean? No one's going to find mm-hmm. it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and I also think that it's a great side hustle, like what you do, you know, like, mm-hmm. man, for somebody who wants to bring in a thousand bucks a month, you know, 500 bucks a month or a couple thousand, even a couple thousand bucks a month, like it could be a great side hustle, just fun, creative, maybe doesn't require a ton of time, you know, to, to put up new designs each month and that kind of thing. I think where I've always looked at it is I don't know how I've always felt like maybe it's not that scalable, you know, or, or, and that's more of an opinion you know, I know you do great with it. So, and there there's a lot of people who do great with it, but for most people, it doesn't feel as scalable as when you create a brand. I mean, it's pretty much unlimited, right? It could be a billion dollar brand. Like it could be Mm -hmm. huge, you know? Um, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty unlimited. Uh, but I just love to know your perspective on that. Like, I, I think it's great, the marketplace strategy, especially for people who like really don't want to do the marketing. They're like, I don't know anything about marketing. Yeah. I don't want to learn it. I don't want to. And I just want to bring in maybe an extra thousand bucks a month. Like, I think it could be awesome for that person. Like, what are your thoughts on, on that? I I totally agree. And um, I, I think that um, as more and more people are doing the marketplace strategy, competition just is increasing. Yeah. So to your point, um, you know, there might be other people in your niche that are also doing brands, but, uh, you know, depending on how able and how, how quality, I guess your marketing is, you can really capture those people. And, you know, it's like the, the Nike versus Adidas versus Puma, you know, I mean, there are people who, will only wear Nike. There are people who only wear Adidas, you know, and, and they're brand loyal. And, and you really don't have that with the marketplace strategy because they don't care who they're buying from. You know, they, they just went Mm -hmm. to the Amazon search bar and typed in gift for nurse and they saw your (laughs) coffee mug and they bought it and they'll never return. There's no lifetime value of a customer most likely. Um, now, we do have a couple of niche specific, I would even call them brands, um, inside of our, uh, kind of marketplace that we started a Shopify store and we just didn't stick with it and we, we let it go, but they are on my Amazon account and I get tons of repeat buyers in that niche. And again, I think this goes to further your point, you know, and, and, and maybe, maybe I should get off my butt and create a Shopify store for that brand because I feel like <laughs> that brand actually could, you know, continue to grow and con- continue to, uh, uh, attract some loyalists, if you will. So Carrie, I agree with you hundred percent. Um, it is, it's, gr- it's a great side hustle. It can really, uh, grow. Um, but you have to, you have to work at it, but it's like, where do you want to put your work? Do you want to put your work at marketing yourself, marketing mm-hmm. your brand, doing the email marketing, doing the, you know, the sales and the, you know, building out your site, or do you just want to have fun creating fun products and create mock-ups and throw them out there, you know, on these different channels and, and just basically throw a thousand fishing lines, you know, in there as opposed to one massive fishing line, you know, that you've, uh, you you get what I'm saying. I, I, there's advantages to both for sure. Yeah, there really are. Um, but to your point, yeah, I don't think I'm ever going to become a, a billion dollar seller on the Amazon marketplace. Uh, but where where a brand could potentially, you know, grow 
grow to that. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Another thing that we really like about it is just the fact that it's an owned platform. Um, right. I'd like to yep. know about your experience because a lot of marketplace sellers, they've dealt with having their account terminated or having it, mm-hmm. you know, taken, taken offline essentially. And that's their livelihood. Um, and generally what we recommend is we, we love marketplaces as a secondary sales channel to Shopify so that you always have that home base, that headquarters, mm-hmm. that HQ that, you know, where you have full brand control, it's an owned platform, you get to keep all your data and whatnot, and you don't have to worry about having your account terminated on a marketplace or something. I'd love to know about your experience um, with marketplaces. Yeah, um, I've, you know, knock on wood, I've never been suspended. Um, you know, my account has never been suspended, but, um, I have, yeah, yeah. Tell me, tell me about it. I have had, uh, you know, IP complaints, you know, you, you use the wrong word. There was one time I used the word hallmark in my description just as like the hallmark event of whatever had nothing to do with greeting cards, Mm. but I got a, an intellectual property violation because I used that word. So I had to go through and take that out of all the listings that used it and, um, you know, go th- jump through all of those hoops. And so you do have a, uh, a, a, a higher level of scrutiny on your products and listings and like the words you use in the titles and in the descriptions and the bullet points and all of that stuff. Um, when you're on a marketplace, because, you know, let's just be honest Amazon doesn't want to deal with that crap. And so if someone says, hey, they're they're violating my copyright or my trademark or whatever, Amazon's like, all right, we'll take it down. You guys can figure it out on your own. And and they all almost always side on this on the side of the trademark holder or the copyright holder. And sometimes um there's a whole Facebook group called Trademark Watchdogs run by Ken Reel, who's a really great guy and and knows a lot about trademark and copyright. And they are actively battling what they deem trademark trolls, people who will (laughs) trademark, you know, this girl is, you know, with two thumbs. And it's like, okay, you were obviously not the first, you know, person to come up with that or, Mm -hmm. and they try to get these trademarks and then they do all these takedowns on, on merch in, in specifics. And then they're the only shirt that shows up for this girl as, and so they're, you know, kind of the trademark system and I, I kind of got off track here, but, um, the, the trademark system just in the U S is really in copyright that that's, that's really messed up. And there's a lot of things that they could do to improve. Um, so, but, but that is one thing that you have to deal with when you're selling on in somebody else, you're playing in somebody else's sandbox. Um, and you know, it's just kind of a, uh, another thing that, you know, that comes up and you have to deal with. I mean, I check my account health on my Amazon, you know, two, three times a week just to make sure there's not any more violations that I have to go in and deal with. Um, and you know, they're all inadvertent. It's not like I'm trying to, to violate somebody's IP, but, um, so that's one thing, uh, really. Um, I, I mean, when you're selling print on demand, you're not going to have to worry about like, Oh my gosh! I, I I bought a coffee mug and um, I I filled it with hot coffee and it burned me and it's your fault and so I'm going to sue you. You know you don't really you do have to have you know insurance, but I think we all should have insurance regardless if you're selling on Amazon or Shopify. Um, 
but you don't really have to worry about that. You know, like a t-shirt's not going to cut anybody, you know, <laughs> or injure somebody. Um, so, but I mean, that's another thing that people have been suspended for and gotten their accounts shut down. Um, but it is something that, you know, does create a certain level of anxiety because there's just, like I said, there's a higher level of scrutiny on these marketplaces because you're playing in their sandbox. Yeah. It, it's so interesting. Two things have happened to me that you just kind of talked about. One, um, we had someone trade our original best-selling design before we trademarked it. I hadn't mm. trademarked designs. I didn't start trademarking designs until a couple of years in. Um, and when we went to go apply for the trademark, we had had our original best-selling design for since 2017. And this was probably like 2018, 2019. And someone had just put in a trademark request for our best-selling original design. Wow. And we oh. had to we had to go fight it. Like we had to mm -hmm. literally, it was like in a back and forth. This person was very, they, they were from another country and they everything was really sketchy. The lawyer that they put down representing them wasn't actually representing them. It was really weird. And mm -hmm. we finally kind of won that battle, but they were doing exactly that. They were trying to get our mm -hmm. trademark of our best selling design so that we would probably have to pay royalties to them if we wanted to keep selling the design that we created. And then, yep. um, so that was one thing that happened. And then secondly, on Etsy, we had someone come after us for that exact same original best-selling design claiming that they created it. And so we got our Etsy mm -hmm. listing taken down and we had to go, we had to talk to them and they were being just very, um, I don't know what the word is, like stubborn and very just rude about the whole thing, even though we showed them evidence that it was our original design and they could not provide any evidence that they mm -hmm. had that design before us. Eventually their store, I think, got taken down and they had a ton of negative reviews, but um, we had to like waste our time and energy yeah. fighting this person who was who stole our original design and then had the audacity to come at us and have our design taken down from Etsy. And Etsy had wanted to have nothing to do with it. Like you said, they're like, you yeah. guys deal with this yourself. So we had to talk with this person back and forth and they were just so difficult to deal with. Mm -hmm. We were trying to be professional and they were just like, we're not taking it down, like yada, yada. And eventually like yeah. we were able to get ours reinstated and we just told like, I forget what happened at the end, but their store doesn't exist anymore. I don't know what happened with them. Good. But Serves them this right. Stuff, this stuff happens. <laughs> yeah. And it, it just, that's the problem, you know, being on a marketplace, you're always having to kind of, this stuff pops up and you're right. The marketplaces kind of just pass the buck to you guys. And yeah. if the person is being difficult, and even if you show them all the evidence to prove that this is your original design, you create it first a lot of times they'll push back. Like this person really pushed back and I couldn't believe it. I was like, you, you have shown us no evidence that you created this design and we've shown you evidence that we've had it up years before your listing. Mm -hmm. So it was just really interesting, yeah. but that, I guess that, that comes with the territory, right? Yeah. I think, you know, you have, you know, Carrie said this earlier, you have kind of, there's, there's pros and cons to both kind of strategies. I mean, um, I mean, it's not like you can't get a, a cease and desist on your Shopify store too. You know, I mean, oh, it, I have, that has I happened. Have, and, for sure. Yeah, there you go. And and yep. so it's not just, but I do think there's, again, a higher level of scrutiny um, on the marketplaces and the marketplaces aren't going to help you, you know, but you don't have anybody to help you on Shopify either. You know, I think um, the, the other thing that, uh, you know, 
Carrie, you kind of mentioned this earlier, you know, you can have the coolest designs in the world and, and the, on the coolest products and the most badass website, you know, you've ever seen. And if you don't market it, it don't matter. You're, you're never yeah. going to get a sale. Whereas, you know, these Amazon, Etsy, Walmart, you know, all these, there's so many eyeballs on your products potentially. And, um, I, I just think that, you know, if, if you're not good at marketing, don't do Shopify, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or, or at least take Adrian or Carrie's course. Cause, uh, you're going to need help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no marketing is definitely a requirement. You have to drive traffic. Mm-hmm. It's just that if mm-hmm. you want to go with that business model, if you want to create a brand, that's what you have to do. And that's another thing, branding to, to differentiate, to separate yourself from the pack. Some people mm-hmm. really love branding. Like that's their dream is to create their own brand and hope one day it becomes a household name or maybe sell it. You know, there, there's a lot you yeah. can do with it. But some people hate branding. They have, they have no desire to brand. They just want to create designs based on what's trendy and what's popular right. in ev- every different category imaginable and put them up. And for those people, totally marketplaces, I feel like is the best. Yeah. I have... I have a merch on demand store where I put totally random designs on. <laughs> I have my Shopify store where, you know, where I have my brand and then I have an Etsy store for my Shopify it is a complimentary sales channel of my Shopify store for my brand. Yeah. But then I have a merch on demand store where every month I get royalties. I literally haven't added a design for like two years and yeah. every month I'm getting royalties from it. And we have students who are doing the same. They also have merch on demand stores. It's almost like a fun creative outlet. Or if you just think of something sure. totally irrelevant to your niche, you just throw it up on your merch on demand store or Etsy or something like that. Um, but I'm, I'm curious because I know you're on a lot of marketplaces. Can you tell us which marketplaces you're on? And I'd love to know the top three in terms of sales or sales potential in your opinion. Um. So Amazon, uh, the, the seller central side, uh, so, so yeah, so the seller of record ones would be the Amazon seller central side, Walmart, Etsy, wish.com, Bonanza, um, Wayfair, uh, we've done some stuff Mm. on Wayfair. Um, I know there, there's, I know that there's more, um, and then on the royalty side, like really just, I forgot the really just merch on demand. Not yeah, like Redbubble, the, the Amazon merch on demand. I'm not. I've never done really. I haven't done Redbubble. Um, I just think it's super. I don't know. For for me, I just it just never made sense. Um, because honestly, I got out of the royalty side stuff when I really went hot, hot and heavy with production. You know, and mm. so we were so focused yeah. on Amazon and and Etsy and and Walmart, um, and then all of those other channels are just kind of ancillary, whatever. If, if they would allow us to upload a spreadsheet of products, we would try it out. You know, that was basically what we did. Um, and so Wish did, um, uh, Bonanza did, and there's probably a couple more um, that allow us, allow you to just upload a spreadsheet. And so we can manipulate wow. the data with what, however they want to see it and upload cool. it. And then all of a sudden we have thousands of products live on their channel. Um, so yeah, the top is absolutely, uh, Amazon, uh, the seller central side, I'd say then Walmart and then Etsy, Etsy, like I said before, it, they don't allow you to upload a spreadsheet. So we don't have as many products, you know, we hardly have any products on there. Well, we, we only have probably, 
He's like, he's like, we don't, we have hardly any. It's like forty thousand, you know, like yeah. it's pretty low. It's like twenty eight thousand three hundred and sixty. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing is Etsy, you know, charges you for all of that. So when I first got onto Etsy or, or really kind of jumped in, I was using a software that allowed you to cross list stuff. And so I had all these products on Amazon and I was like, all right, I'm going to take these thousand products and I'm going to push them all to Etsy. And then, you know, hardly, and because you're using the same product white background thing that Amazon did it requires for their mm -hmm. shop on Etsy that doesn't that doesn't drive the traffic that you know like it does on Amazon because they want it more Etsy-ish if you will mm -hmm. you know Pinteresty kind of yes and totally. um and so I I got hit with you know I don't know two hundred dollars worth of uh listing fees you know and then of course I put them on auto renew because I didn't know any better. And I, you know, at some point I was like, you know, I don't know that this is profitable, you know, <laughs> with as many sales <laughs> as I'm getting. So we've, we've changed a lot on our Etsy. And so now, you know, it is actually doing a little better. We've, you know, kind of scaled back some of the products, but I think it does require a different, uh, strategy on Etsy. So yeah. So Amazon, Walmart, Etsy, those are our top three. That's cool. I, I, I want to know more about your experience with Walmart because recently some print-on-demand companies have been creating auto integration with Walmart Marketplace. And mm -hmm. so I know a lot of people are actually thinking about that as a legitimate sales channel. And maybe, you know, if they have a Shopify sure. store, they, they, they scale out to that, or maybe they just start there. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on your experience with Walmart Marketplace. So Walmart has, uh, we've been on like maybe three, maybe four years. I, I don't know. But when wow. we started, it That's, was, oh, gee. it was garbage. Their, their back end was garbage. It is so much better now. Um, they really, um, have really spent a lot of time and money on making the back end a lot better now. So, um, when we first started, there was a lot of upload errors and like, I'd have t-shirts that didn't have any parents. So it would just be like, you know, nurse t-shirt, you know, or whatever the title was. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't have any, it wouldn't have a size associated with it, you know, so, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just because sell. Back, yeah, yeah. It's never going to sell. Um, <laughs> so we had to go through and fix a whole bunch of stuff when we first started. Like I said, they've, they've gotten a lot better. Um, I know uh, Printify has a an integration now that they do with Walmart. Um, we uh, so we used a, uh, a third party software called OrderDesk. I'm not sure, mm. sure if you guys are familiar with that, but it it has all, a ton of integrations you can put into. So I can get my sales from Amazon, from Walmart, from Etsy, from Wish, from Bonanza, from you know all these other sales channels, from a Shopify, whatever. And it will push them through. It'll check the inventory that I've uploaded to OrderDesk and go, oh, okay, this is a red, large shirt with this design on it. And then um, previously, you know, that would push to our production partner or our production uh, staff, and then they would produce the shirt or, you know, go to the different departments and all that. Now we're uh, we're using, actually, we're actually using Guten. Um, mm, and so- nice. um, it pushes right over to Guten and they're able to, you know, see what it is. And then we did have to redo all of our print files, our print templates for the products that we're selling because they wanted it in a little bit different, you know, uh, aspect ratio or whatever. 
Um, but we used a, a really, really cool software called Bulk Mockup that allows, it's a basically a, a Photoshop plugin that you basically put a bunch of designs in, you know, one folder, and then you put your template in the next folder, which could be just blank, a blank canvas, you know, for a print file, for example. Um, and then through the use of smart objects, it, you know, you define where you want it on that canvas and hit go, and then it just spits them out, you know, super fast. And so, um, cool. you, it also uses it for mockups too, cause you can use a, a, a smart object and you can kind of create, um, you know, multiple, like if I had, I, I can do like 5,000 designs on a black t-shirt, you know, mm -hmm. and it'll spin them out in, you know, four or five hours and I come back and I've got that. Then I do my listing picture number two and I go through that. Um, so that, uh, that allows us to, to, to really get through all that stuff fast. And it really, it allowed us to create all of those new print files that we needed for Guten so they could match the SKU to the, you know, the actual file. And, um, it, it helped us out a lot and we're able to pretty much most of our stuff goes right through when it sells now, um, uh, on, on whatever channel it's sold on, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It goes right through. And then order desk, of course, um, passes back up the tracking once it's shipped to the marketplace. So the customer gets that. That's really cool. Um, are you, well, two questions actually. One, are all the sales organic on, on Walmart marketplace? And then mm -hmm. two, are you, this is kind of a general question for all your marketplaces. Are you, uh, like, how are you promote? Are you, are you promoting in any way or are all your marketplaces organic? Um, Walmart is, uh, all organic Etsy. I, I do some Etsy ads because they require you to at a certain level. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. and then, uh, Amazon, I, I do use their sponsored ads. Um, but it's, I, I don't, because we have so many products, I literally just put you know, thousands of products and then, you know, have a $5 daily, uh, daily allotment and then like a 10 cent bid. So I'm getting the mm. super, super, super long tail. I'm not competing for high, high, uh, value, um, you know, ads. So, uh, but that has worked and our, 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 uh, a cost has hovers between 20 and 30%, you know, so it's not, it's not perfect, but I believe, um, and I think this has been proven out by other, other people who are smarter than I am, uh, that those, those sponsored ad sales actually increase your, uh, SEO or your, your preference for the Amazon algorithm. So I think it does help with the organic sales and it mm -hmm. doesn't cost a whole lot, you know, $5 a day. Um, you know, a lot of, and I have different categories for, you know, I'll have, um, you know, maybe when Valentine's day is coming up, I might boost it to 25 cents or something like that. Cause I know that those are going to be more valuable. Um, mm -hmm. and so you know, I can kind of play with some of that, but for the most part, it's, uh, it's just a low daily, um, and low cost of click strategy that, um, has just always kind of worked for us. Mm -hmm. Nice. Smart. That's awesome. I'm, I'm curious to know of all the marketplaces that you're using, which one are you the most excited about moving forward? Like, which one do you see the most potential in right now, but potential in the future? Hmm. 
That is a great question. Made him, made him think. Oh, the man. Clock. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still think, um, I think it's really early on Walmart. Um, mm. And I think that they have um, really spent a lot of, like I said, time and money improving not only the back end, but the customer awareness that Walmart is a viable place to shop now. And, um, and so I think that you, you know, if you can get in and you can, you know, have some really nice products, maybe use some advertising. We haven't really, we played with it a little bit, but it wasn't as profitable as I'd hoped. And so I basically just turned it off and just am going strictly organic and, um, just trying to flood the marketplace with as many products as possible. Uh, (laughs) Um, you know, come on, come on, November, come on, December, let's go. You know, (laughs) I want to be everywhere. I want to have every niche, you know, I want to show up. So, um, I, that's probably like, that's the one we're focusing on the most. I mean, we still have, we have SOPs in place to put products on Amazon all the time. So we're constantly loading our Amazon products. Um, I think the, the one that could potentially be, um, most profitable could be Etsy. I just have not had the dedicated time to, man, j- there's just something about listing one product at a time that just, it's like nails on a chalkboard to me, man. You know, I just don't <laughs> want to do it. I, it's a different uh, beast. Etsy <laughs> is a different beast. It's way it different is. than something like a merch on demand. There's a, a very particular strategy for Etsy that doesn't translate right. over to a lot of those other marketplaces. Exactly. You know, having very aesthetically pleasing mocks up, mock-ups, like you said, making it look kind of Pinterest-y. Mm-hmm. Um, just, yeah, like it, it's it's very different. Um, yeah, it, it's very different. The other thing I, I would say, like this this project that we're doing on Shopify, um, I'm, I'm genuinely excited about that, you know, and um, I, it'll be interesting to see how the landscape of uh you know, we, we, we did a lot of Facebook ads the first time we did it in 2020. I don't know if that's going to be the best way to do it or, you know, how, how much return we're going to get on that, um, you know, doing it with, uh, you know, in 2023 and 2024, um, that'll be interesting. I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on that and what the best way to, um, you know, kind of market that now is versus Mm -hmm. 2020. Yeah, I mean, we we can both attest that Facebook ads still work. Um, strategies have kind of shifted a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. um, I remember when we started, it was just like you just run Facebook ads. That's what you do. You just run Facebook ads right out of the gate. Now we're we're you know what we teach is to conserve a bit more and to look for success clues before kind of scaling designs. So before, Mm -hmm. you know, when I first started, it was just like, all right, dump this amount of budget into every single design. Now what we recommend is taking a more conservative approach. And really there's, there's two different kind of approaches you can take. There's kind of the fast and risky, and then there's the slow and conservative. The slow Mm -hmm. and conservative is you get your, so you build up your social media. So um, really we, uh, I have this like ABC method for social media, for Instagram, kind of Instagram, particularly a is attract. So you attract your niche, you attract your ideal target audience. B is you, whoops, almost knocked my microphone over. B is you build, you build up your following of raving fans. And then C is you convert. So you monetize that following. And essentially what we recommend doing is really focus on, uh, 
kind of giving the algorithm what it wants to grow on social media organically. And there's a lot of ways you can do this. The beautiful thing about social media is it's free and you can take up a lot of real estate on social media. You can be posting consistently, yeah. you know, you can be chatting in other groups and getting people to know you that way. There's a lot of different strategies to grow your account. Um, and so long story short, what we recommend doing is following kind of that ABC strategy, building up your following, uh, dropping your designs for your following, not all designs, you know, generally, especially at the beginning yeah. in the build mode, you want to offer value. You want to focus on offering value to attract people in, give them a reason to follow you, sprinkle in your products so they know that you're an apparel brand and they know that you create designs for them in mind because we're all about the niche, uh, being dialed in on the niche. And then when you see clues of success, for example, when you see disproportionately high engagement on a post, on a product post compared to your other product posts, that's when we're like, all right, it's time to get ads going like today. And you you run ads, yeah. you run small budget ads, you see how those do. If they're profitable, you run more, you increase the budget. If they're profitable, you increase the budget. If they're profitable, you increase the budget until, you know, if you have what we call an A grade winner, you can increase that budget to $500,000 still today in 2023. And you can run profitable ads and you can just scale to the moon really fast. And that's what we recommend because, you know, if you have experience with Facebook ads, which it sounds like you do, you know that there's ad fatigue, there's copycats mm -hmm. that float the market and undercut you on price. There's a lot of reasons not to be slow to, to move when you know you're sitting on an A-grade winner. You're going to make the yeah. most money probably in about the first 90 days in my experience. And you can ride it for years. Um, you can do lots of things. You can remix it. You can drop it on other products. You can scale it out in a lot of different ways. But generally, when the design is new and fresh and original, that's when you get the most out of it. Um, mm -hmm. So <laughs> that's kind of in hey, a nutshell. We have entire modules on this in our training. How much do program. I owe you? <laughs> <laughs> no, Travis, what I would say is uh, you, you, you're, I think you were referring to specifically the political kind of arena. Uh, there's been a ton of changes on social media and advertising mm -hmm. requirements since mm -hmm. the 2020 elections because of lots of things that have happened in platforms, kicking people off and all that kind of stuff. And I yeah. know, yeah, like now it's very different to try to run political style products because they get flagged very quickly, whereas it wasn't that difficult at that, you know, at that time many years ago, it wasn't as difficult. So you yeah. might run into some challenges there. Like, uh, I agree with what Adrian said. Like we still, we still, you know, we still believe Facebook and Instagram ads are the most profitable channel as far as return on investment of any paid channel on the internet. That that's what the stats show. Um, but mm. the political stuff is hard to get through, like to get yeah. approved mm. now as opposed I to. I remember I, I had to, I did have to get approved in 2020, and I'm, I'm thinking that. I, I may still be approved. I don't know. Maybe, Maybe so. they, you know, turned it off or something. So well, I guess you had to put we'll, the disclaimer and you we'll like see. had to submit your ID and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, exactly. It's a political yeah, ad or something. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I probably should, uh, you know, check that before I spend all this time building out this Shopify site. <laughs> well, well, one piece of advice I would give you though is, dude, the, uh, the influencers on both sides of the aisle like there is so many of them and they have so much pull right. and so much influence. Um, that's true. You know, I I've seen, I've seen many stores, uh, just, just connect with one influencer and in, on a certain, you know, political issue and, uh, and be able to blow it up. I would really go 
hard after that of like, you know, going to TikTok, making a list of influencers, going to Instagram, making a list of influencers Mm -hmm. on whatever side the political designs are on uh, or whatever issues and and then and then start reaching out to them because you can blow it up like that just with getting in front Mm -hmm. of one of their audiences. Yeah. That's good. I was just thinking, man, if you had, do you have, um, when you were doing this, when you were having a lot of success with it, were you collecting email addresses? <laughs> of course not. Oh, <laughs> of course not. That would be, Why would that I do would that? literally be like sitting on a Why gold mine that? because that's, that's marketing. What do you mean? I just run <laughs> Facebook ads and collect the money. <laughs> true, true, true. That, that would, I mean, that would be like sitting on a gold mine and there's no restrictions there. I mean, yeah. you know, but all those to, emails to that, that you point, though. Collect, to that point, though, if you could collaborate with somebody who has an email list in the right mm. arena and you gave them a percentage or a commission off the sales, I mean, it, like, it could be huge. Yeah. Lots yeah, of lots of YouTubers and different, you know, YouTubers is another another place uh, that that in the on the in the political arena, there's so many massive YouTubers, you know, mm. a lot of a lot of YouTubers do have email lists and, and just tons of pool. See if you can reach yeah. out and connect. Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff, yeah, man. For sure. Well, I'm an yeah, equal opportunity offender. So I, I sell on both sides of the aisle, man. Uh, <laughs> money, money, baby. You know what? Demo- Democrat or Republican, their money's all green. So yes, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. So well, I know that you guys, I know that you guys actually interview, like you guys do a lot of interviews for people on your podcast and you guys talk about marketing quite a bit in your podcast as well. I'd be curious to know kind of, based on the people you've spoken with and and what you're seeing being so involved and entrenched in this space from a marketing standpoint, like if let's say, so a lot of our listeners are, are Shopify store owners and they're using social media to drive their traffic, but they're also doing influencer marketing. They're also mm-hmm. doing a lot of, they're creating their own content and putting it on TikTok. And there's a lot of different things that people are doing right now. What kind of like, with all the people you're talking to and interviewing um, and just seeing in the space, I'd be curious to know what you're hearing about or what your thoughts would be for marketing a like a brand on an own platform like Shopify. Yeah, I I, um, I, I think so. Uh, w- when we were doing this, um, uh, my co-host, uh, Josiah, he, um, when he was, he's not actually producing product anymore. Uh, I mean, they, they shut down their, their, uh, fulfillments probably a year and a half ago. And, um, but what they were finding success with was the influencer marketing and mm-hmm. they would, um, and they were obviously doing it from a different perspective or a different kind of angle. They were, um, asking these influencers, and we, we talk about this even, um, because anybody can do this. They were reaching out to, to influencers and saying, Hey, um, I love your stuff. You know, it's really cool. I'm, I'm also into X, Y, Z. Um, have you guys thought about offering merch to your listenership? You know? And, and so they were actually trying to get clients and they, they had tons of success. They did, did a lot, um, different, all kinds of different niches and they had tons of success on, on Twitter uh, on, uh, Instagram, um, not as much on Facebook, uh, at, but a little bit on YouTube, but it was mainly Instagram and Twitter where they really found, um, you know, success. And I, I think, um, for a brand, I, I have very little doubt that it would be just as successful if you had a specific strategy to, you know, like Carrie said earlier, just 
go on TikTok and just make a list, you know, and go on Instagram, make a list and uh, of the people in your niche and and then reach out to them with something that's of value, um, you know, and then or or at least start a conversation and then see where that goes. And um, I think that, um, yeah, I mean, Facebook ads are great, but you may or may not make the sale, but they're still going to take your money. You know, with, mm-hmm. at least with an influencer, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you pay them something, but you're 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 very likely to get a sale because they're very likely if if they're you know have any integrity at all, they're going to wear that T-shirt in their next video or whatever, or they're going to shout you out in some way, shape, or form. And so there is going to be an influx of traffic based on that transaction versus a a Facebook ad, which while it can be profitable, there's no guarantee really, you know, that it's going to mm-hmm. result in. Uh, traffic or sales for that matter. So yeah, I, I think, um, I think the influencer marketing is probably stronger than ever. Um, I know everybody, you know, everybody with a thousand people that follow them calls themselves an influencer and, um, not all influencers are created equal. Mm -hmm. Uh, you you know, I I think you can see a lot by looking at the comments. If, Mm -hmm. if that person is engaged with their following, then I guarantee they are going to, people are going to you know, know, like, and trust them. And if they shout you out, they're going to trust that the shout out is worthy of them clicking on the link or going to that website or, or buying that shirt or whatever versus someone, I mean, happens all the time, 500,000 followers, you know, and they launch their store, you know, their brand new store and, oh, this is going to be a no brainer. He's going to shout it out and it's going to be, he shouts it out trickles of sales, you know, then you have the 10,000 listener that's really engaged and they launch their store and you get multiple pages of, of product that's sold because mm-hmm. they know, like, and trust that person, um, because they're, they're engaged with their followers. So not all followers mm-hmm. are created equal. Um, do your due diligence and really kind of know that before you fork over cash or send them a bunch of product to, you know, to promote for you. If they're not engaged with their followers, um, you know, good luck. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's so true. It's crazy how much pull these micro influencers can have over the, the, you know, the Jenners or (laughs) the Kardashians or something like that. They just got a massive following. And uh, I, I feel like the, the micro influencers, a lot of times their following is just more passionate. Like, yeah, you know, maybe they just talk about one thing like environmentalism. And you're, if you're in the environmental niche, you're that person is going to put your product or your brand in front of your ideal customer. Uh, they're hanging out with that person and they know, like, and trust them. I love the know, like, and trust. It's so true. Um, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of value in that, uh, you know, trust is one of the best conversion tools you can possibly yeah. have. It's so much of building a Shopify website is building trust. You have customer testimonials and user-generated content, um, all these trust badges. And I feel like the same goes for influencers. So great mm-hmm. advice about, you know, like it's a lot of the influencers are going to charge based on their following, but you really got to pay attention to the engagement and like, who's yep. actually following them. Do they actually really care? Like maybe they started following them years ago and just never look at any of their stuff anymore. So mm-hmm. totally. Well, this is, this has been a lot of fun, man. I, I we want to be respectful of your time. We've, you know, we've been here for a good amount of time. You've dropped so much gold. This has been so much fun. We'll have to have you come back on again. Um, it was fun hearing about kind of your predictions for the future and, 
a whole lot of other stuff. But kind of in closing, um, first thing, do you have any final pieces of advice for print on demand sellers? I, I'm going to beat that dead horse and say, create your SOPs, your standard operating procedures, organize your SKU structure, your design structure into a way that makes sense. Have a spreadsheet for every product you have with a line of all of the stuff that you need to list that on any channel you want to be on. Mm-hmm. Um, Shopify included, all of that stuff should be uh, from day one, you know, like as soon as you're listing, you should have some type. And if you don't have it, rip the bandaid mm-hmm. off and go back and do it. You know, really, really do your do your hard work um, because it's going to help you so much as you continue to scale and become more successful. That's good cool. stuff. Uh, yeah, that's that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, now, in closing, if someone wanted to reach out to you, um, yeah. I will definitely leave a link in the show notes to the Prima Mancast so people can check it out. Definitely recommend mm-hmm. checking it out, guys, for all our listeners. Um, but if someone wanted to reach out to you, where would be the best place for them to do that? Yeah, I mean, uh, printondemandcast.com. Uh, you can go there. There's a contact us form, um, you know, and it just basically forwards to me we just, uh, or info at printondemandcast.com. Um, you know, we get a lot of listener emails and stuff like that. And we always answer them. We always, you know, you know, within a few days anyway, um, you know, sign up for our newsletter. We send a newsletter out every week with just a couple of cool things that are going on in the industry. Um, you know, that type of stuff, uh, really I would, that would be probably the best place to, uh, to connect with me. Um, I'm obviously on Facebook, Travis Ross. Um, we do have a print on demand um, slash uh, Facebook. If you want to join our Facebook group, uh, obviously printondemandcast.com slash Instagram, printondemandcast.com slash YouTube, all of that stuff. Um, and uh, just, yeah, reach out, connect, comment on our stuff, um, ask questions, love this stuff, uh, can't get enough of it, love to talk about it, love to talk in general. So <laughs> Ross, yeah, just just reach out. And if you guys want to hear the best dad jokes ever on every single episode, they, they are, <laughs> yeah, that right. is what these guys are famous for. Like you guys are famous for print on mad, but you're also famous for dad jokes. And I was actually listening to one of your episodes earlier today and I laughed out loud um, <laughs> because you guys were having like this dad joke off where you're going back and forth and <laughs> each of you guys had like five. And I was like, how are you guys not laughing out loud at some of these dad jokes? It's hilarious. Yeah. That's but, one of our favorite things, man. Dad joke of the week. We even put an extra one in the newsletter just to, you know, incentivize awesome. people. You know, it's either <laughs> it's either awesome or it's just like, oh, would you guys cut it out and just talk about print on demand? <laughs> <laughs> no, it shows personality. It shows that you guys are real. It's funny. It kind of switches things up, you know. So I'm sure we there's find people our on thing, both sides. Adrian. Like all I want to hear is the gold, and then there's the people that want to be entertained as well and get to know you and see the funny side of you too. So. Yeah. We got to find our thing, you know, man. We got to figure out, we got to figure out our, our shtick. Yeah, over here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> awesome. Well, Hey man, this has been so much fun. Thank you again so much for taking the time to be here with us and to share your knowledge and wisdom with our listeners. We really appreciate your time and uh, we will hopefully talk to you very, very soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks guys.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Print On Demand Playbook Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review on whichever platform you're listening on. Thanks and have a great week. Oh, 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 o